Welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. It is your number one podcast for all things TCU. I want to thank you guys for joining us again for another fun week of TCU football. This week, a lot more fun than the last episode that we did. A loss to Colorado in week one. I told you after that loss that TCU, Sonny Dykes, Kendall Bryle, Chandler Morris, the entire offensive crew was going to try to put as many points up on the board as possible. They didn't score 100 points. They did score over 40. So we'll get into that game. We'll talk about the game against Houston coming up this week. And, of course, I have things to complain about. When don't I? But first, got to remind you, please subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast or any of your Heartland College Sports podcasts, please remember, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a little bit of a bonus, you know, give us those five stars. We like those. And then, of course, uh, remember to tell all of your friends about the podcast too. Word of mouth, baby. The original way to spread the word, right? All right, so let's get into it. So last week I told you after a loss to Colorado, the TCU's offense was going to try to put up as many points as possible against Nickel State to, to really rub the end FCS team in the dirt to remind people, hey, you know, this offense is very potent, even when the defense didn't look as good as it did against Colorado, that it can it can do it can do, get the job done. It can get the job done. I've always said this. For good teams, FCS wins, they don't really tell you the full story. They're not going to expose any truth. All they're going to do is confirm a bias you already have. If your favorite team plays an FCS team and loses, then you already confirm the notion that your team isn't any good. If your team is good, like TCU is this year, and they beat an FCS team, you don't really know how good they are. Yeah, the defense held Nickel State to six points. That's fine and dandy. I have a lot. My big takeaways, there's three big takeaways I have from this game. They're all on the offensive side of the ball. I didn't learn anything on the defense. The first time I'm going to know if this defense has gotten better since the week one loss to Colorado is this week against the Cougars and against Houston. We'll get to that here in a minute. Here are my three big takeaways. Chandler Morris is better than people are giving him credit for. I've been on this hill for a while. I'm going to stay on this hill. A loss to Colorado in a lot of people's minds took Chandler Morris out of the conversation of best quarterback in the Big 12. Quinn Ewers, what he did at Alabama this past week, putting on that show, that display, I think it's fair to say at this point that he is the number one quarterback in the Big 12. But Chandler Morris is not that far behind him. I think he's still in the top five. Here's why I say that. Played a relatively almost perfect game against Nickel State, which is hard to do. Four incompletions, 26 of 30, 263 yards, two touchdown passes. He also rushed for a TD as well. Three total touchdowns on the day. And that leads me right into my next thing. 63 yards on the ground and a rushing score. Everybody was saying that Chandler Morris was a one-dimensional quarterback. That this is a guy who, because he was injured last year, because he got banged up against Colorado in week one, and because Duggan took over the job, that this year they were going to protect him. They were not going to use him in any running capacity. But we saw against Colorado his ability to extend plays. He looked uncomfortable sometimes in the pocket. I think that you got to let him cook. I think Kendall Bryles this week allowed him at home to play this position a little bit more freely. And I think that's going to pay off at the end. He's a quarterback who can move. He's not a running quarterback by any means. We're not going to have the next Lamar Jackson in Fort Worth. But what we are going to have is a quarterback who can make reads 
can use his legs, can use the bootleg, can use the play action. Chandler Morris impressed me on the ground, 63 rushing yards. What didn't impress me was the rest of the running game. There's a big difference between having a mobile quarterback and having a running game that is predicated on your quarterback running. I don't like that. I'm not a big fan of that. At this level, yeah, it's wins games. Cam Newton at Auburn was an incredible athlete. Lamar Jackson at Louisville, incredible athlete. But I think to myself, how many quarterbacks who are run first, who are used in the offense as a, hey, we're going to run quarterback sweep, how many of those quarterbacks end up either getting hurt and how many of those teams end up winning at the end? Because I don't think a ton of the Big 12. I can't come up with any off the top of my head where offensive coordinators were saying, hey, you know what we need to do? Use our quarterback in the running game more. That doesn't super, to me at least, it doesn't make good offense in this conference. So when Chandler Morris is the second leading rusher, that's a red flag, especially against Nickel State. Iman Bailey, 67 yards on the ground. Sanders had five carries and 13 yards. This is a problem. This is a problem. The running game needs to get better for TCU. Point blank simple. And that's something that is going to have to get better as the season continues. This is not a, a flip the switch, hey, we figured out how to run the ball. This is going to be something that is going to be a thorn in the side of the TCU offense for the remainder of the season. It, it, it has to get better. It can't not get better if this team wants to compete at the level they want to compete at. Losing Colorado already put them at 1-1, one and one, a win against Nickel State now 1-1. One and one. You cannot not have a running game. Not in this league, not this year. You have to be able to run the ball to establish a run. Look at what Colorado did against TCU, and then look what they did against Nebraska. Both of those games, they established a run, they were able to eat into the defense, and then that opened it up for Sanders. That opened it up for everybody. That opened it up for the offense for Colorado. And on a side note here, I don't want to like Colorado. I came into the year not liking him. I didn't want to like Dion. I didn't want to like what they had going on over there. I especially didn't like it after they beat TCU. But I hate Nebraska. And I love fun. And I love a circus. And I love a good story. And man, is it hard not to root for Colorado. It is. It's going to be something that for the rest of the year, I'm going to be fighting internally not to root for Colorado. Because at the end of the day, I, I, I kind of like Dion. I kind of like what they got going on over there. Don't tell anybody. But that's kind of where I'm at with this. I, it's going to be hard not to root for him is my point. TCU, on the other hand, the wide receivers still have not really established themselves. We still do not have a wide receiver run. One, last year, immediately, it was Quinn Johnson. And then it was Davis, and it was a bunch of other guys. But immediately, you kind of knew who the number one wide receiver was. And this year, we're still trying to figure it out. Uh, Warren Thompson, he looked good, the senior receiver. Eight receptions, 92 yards. JoJo Earl had a touchdown. He only had two catches, though, for 23 yards. Again, and can't get super excited for this wide receiver core. There's a lot of dudes. There's a lot of talent. None of them have risen to the top yet. It's early. It's week two. Sanders in the running back room, he hasn't really established himself either. I know he's coming back from some injuries. There there hasn't been this, okay, hierarchy of offense. We're still trying to figure that out. Week uh, three against Houston. This is a good opponent to try to learn some things. And lastly, look, a win against Nickel State, you you take a win no matter what. But this is one more thing I kind of complain about because it's just, it really stuck out to me, stuck out like a sore thumb, was uh, Josh Hoover, who had a really tough night. 
This is the second game in a row TCU was inside the 10 and wasn't able to score. Second week in a row they were in the red zone, not able to score because Hoover was unable to hold handle a snap that ended up getting fumbled and Nickel State jumped all over it. And then in mop-up duty, he uh, threw an interception. When Duggan went down, or when, when Duggan took over for Morris last year, and then Morris was healthy, and then TCU and Sonny Dykes ran with the hot hand, I said, I'm not all that concerned because if something happens to Duggan, I know Morris is a capable starter. And that's why coming into this year, I wasn't all that concerned about TCU because I knew Morris was a capable starter. This season, however, I do not know if the backup quarterback is a capable starter. And in TC in college football, there is no incentive to lose games. There is only an incentive to win games. So if something happens to Morris, I am very concerned about what happens to this program going forward. Because a seven-win team, a five-win team, that could be a real problem for TCU going forward. Right now, they're getting a ton of good recruits. Right now, TCU is looking like it's going to be the cream of the crop in the Big 12 for the foreseeable future. The way that Texas Tech looks right now, the way Baylor looks right now, you know, okay, maybe Arizona State and Arizona and Colorado, those teams joining next year, it's going to make things a little bit different, sure. But TCU has a real shot and an inside lane to recruit Texas really well. That is if they keep winning. And with Hoover as the backup quarterback, I'm kind of concerned. A little bit. Not a super big red flag, but a little red flag. All right, let's move on to Houston. So the Cougars, 1-1, one one, they should be 0-2. They should not have beaten UTSA. If Frank Harris has a clean knee and doesn't have rust on his arm, UTSA should have gone up and down the field on Houston in Week 1. And then this past weekend, they lost to Rice. After going down 28-0, to the Cougars were able to battle back in the fourth quarter, put 21 unanswered points up in the fourth. I watched that game. I was not impressed by Houston. In fact, I was so impressed by Rice that I actually might have a dedicated screen to their games going forward, depending on who they play. JT Daniels, Luke McCaffrey, Little McCaffrey, he's the uh, brother of Christian McCaffrey, which you know everybody knows who Christian is. Luke McCaffrey looked great. A one-handed grab in the end zone. He can play slot. You can put him out of the backfield. JT Daniels at times looked like an actual quarterback, not the guy that was playing at West Virginia last year. He looked great. So I'm thinking Rice might be legit. But it does make me pause on Houston. I thought coming into the year that the teams that were joining, UCF, Houston, I I thought they might have a little bit of struggle in the Big 12. Texas Tech is 0-2. A lot of people had them as a dark horse to win the conference. (laughs) I think Houston might be in a similar boat here. I think Houston might have a real tough time in this conference, especially under Dana Holgerson who looked like he was outmatched for the majority of this game, which is saying something. You don't want to have your head coach outmatched. Sonny Dykes, I don't think he's ever been outmatched. I think he was out-talented in the big, uh, the national championship last year, but I don't think Kirby Smart out-coached Sonny Dykes. I think Kirby Smart hasn't out-coached a lot of guys. I think that most of it has come from the talent. That's another thing. Sonny Dykes has not been out-coached since coming to TCU. I haven't seen him in a situation where he's had to really been, be outcoached, right? I think of that this way, that Houston is going to host their first Big 12 game, and they have probably one of the worst opponents to do it against in TCU. Now, that's not to say that TCU doesn't have their problems. I mentioned the aforementioned wide receiver issues, the running back problems, all that type of stuff. They have their problems. 
But this Houston team, their secondary is bad. Their secondary is not good. Luke McCaffrey was pretty much doing whatever he wanted, and JT Daniels was just putting the ball all over the field on these guys. All over the field. JT Daniels is a good quarterback. He's not that good. He's not good enough to be playing the way that he was playing. So that is my that's my take right now. Um, he had a t- like I mean JT Daniels looked bad, not well, not good against Texas in Week One. A touchdown, two interceptions against UT. So I look at it this way, man. Like he threw for four hundred yards and three TDs. You shouldn't let that happen if you're Houston, and that's why I feel very confident in uh in TCU. That's why I feel great, actually, with TCU coming to town. Now, here are the things that they got to work on, right? TCU has to make sure that they protect the quarterback. When Chandler Morris gets pressured, if it's Chandler Morris of week one and they have, like, restraints on the guy and they don't want him to run out of the pocket, then they're not going to win this game. They have to let Chandler Morris exercise in the pocket, extend plays, run some bootlegs. If they let that happen, if they let Morris be Morris, right, if they let him cook behind that offensive line, I feel okay. I feel pretty good. You can't let the pressure get in his face. The other thing, you got to find a way to run the football. You can't not have a running game if you're TCU. And I don't know what Kendall Bryles needs to do at this point. Because at this point, is it play calling? Are they not calling the plays? Or is the offensive line not good enough to compete? If the offensive line isn't good enough to compete and get push and like open up running lanes... Well, there's other options for that, and we've seen other teams use that option. I have seen plenty of teams in college football have very mediocre offensive lines and run screenplays, run draws, run outside handoffs, run options. There's a lot of ways to get the running game going. TCU has not figured that out yet. Now, granted, a 41-6 win against Nickel State last week, there's a lot of qualms. There's a lot of complaining on my end, and I get that. You're probably sitting there thinking to yourself, will this guy ever stop complaining? <laughs> about this TCU team. I will. Trust me. I have them winning against Houston. But these are concerns that I have because this team is in a spot, and this is where I, my next point, they're in a spot here where if they overlook Houston and they go in the SMU game one and two, things get shaky. Because the rivalry game, you throw out the history books, you throw out the record books, anything can really happen. Sunny Dykes is 3-0 and in the series. With a win at SMU and then a win or two wins at SMU and a win last year against uh, SMU, right? So it's three zero in the series. Every streak comes to an end, and if you're in a spot here, a loss against Houston in prime time, that game's at seven p.m. and then you play eleven a.m. Big noon kickoff against SMU. These are problems. These are these are concerns that I that I have. Uh, wide receivers need to step up. They still have not figured out any the the wide receiver answer. I, I think JoJo Earl is probably the most talented wide receiver on this roster. He has not yet shown to us that he can be wide receiver number one. Um, none of these guys have, so that, that'll be pretty important uh, as well. So here's my prediction for TCU. Oh, and then lastly, TCU's defense. Okay, we, we haven't talked about the elephant in the room. We haven't talked about the defense. This is super important. The defense held Nickel State to six points after giving up 40-plus points to Colorado and having more arm tackles than maybe any other team in college football in one game. More missed tackles than probably any other team in the Big 12. The 3-3-5 looked great last year. 
Teams have a full season of tape on it. Colorado tore it to shreds. Houston has not been great at running the ball. They have not been great at running the ball. Daniel Holgerson, this could be a game where he decides, hey, we're going to try to run the ball on TCU. If that is the case, this will be the first test for TCU against an FBS opponent to stopping the run. If they stop Houston's run, it'll be a feather in the cap. It does not necessarily mean that they have a good run defense by any means. It does mean that they have the ability to stop the run. Like I said, I watched the entirety of the Houston-Rice game. Houston looked lethargic in a playoff, or not a playoff game, but in what should have been a playoff atmosphere at least. It should have been, a, it's a rivalry game against Rice. It's an inner city rival. Like, you should come out and play. Going down 28-0 to zero does not necessarily make me feel all warm and fuzzy if I was a Houston fan. TCU should come into this game. They should absolutely roll the Cougars. I'm going with this prediction. I think TCU wins 35-17 against the Cougars in their first Big 12 game. And I think that this is going to be a game where TCU's offense, again, is predicated mostly on the pass instead of the run. And we hope that at some point they can get the ball moving on the ground. All right, now I have things to complain about. You probably, again, how much more complaining do you have to do? Here's, here's my last little qualm, and this is a qualm with uh, TCU's athletic department. Every other team in this conference, for the most part, has a very good social media presence, has a very good YouTube channel. And you might know where I'm going with this. TCU's football YouTube page has not uploaded content recently or really ever. They've put most of their content on the TCU athletic which is fine. That's fine. If you want to use your athletic page for a catch-all for football, baseball, volleyball, basketball, everything, it's going to be really crowded, might be a little cluttered, but I'm okay with that. We're not getting any media day stuff. We're not getting any post-game interviews. We're not getting any uh, recaps. We're not getting any highlights. We're not getting a ton on that TCU athletic page. And I understand SIDs are, are tired. Student managers are tired. Everybody is like worked to the bone. I get that. But if the kids can cut up a basketball game and put it on YouTube 15 minutes after, like I'm talking like professional basketball, these these kids, I don't know how they do it, but I can watch an entire basketball game or watch all the highlights from a game that happened 15 minutes ago on my phone and they can cut it up in uh, like a five minute clip. I can watch an entire game, all the important plays from a basketball game, 15 minutes after the game's done. You're telling me that there's no way that we can put any football tape online? There's no way that we have any recap videos, any any coaches' interviews? We got nothing going on on that YouTube page? I, I, I get it. People are tired. There's a lot of good stuff going on. But if you want to be the best team in the conference, which I think TCU is, I've been on this platform plenty of times telling you that the basketball team and the baseball team and the football team and everything else is trending in a direction, both men and women, that they are a chance here to be one of the best programs from top to bottom in college athletics. If you want to be the best, you have to give us content. you got to give us that media content. And not having that, yeah, it bothers me as somebody who wants to go back and watch plays and, I, I you know, I can watch on ESPN Plus or I can watch on and I can TiVo it and I can go back and try to watch. 
to be able to watch it on YouTube, to cut to a player, to jump to a play and see what did this guy do on this play, what did this guy do on that play, to not have that readily available for the fans feels like a problem. That feels like something that could easily be fixed and something that I hope that the TCU Athletic Administration maybe does. Maybe that's something that they, they consider going forward. Uh, that'll do it for the Hypno Toad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. want to thank you guys so much for listening along for another week of TCU football. The game against Houston, it's the first Big 12 uh, game for either school this season. First one in Houston's history to play in the Big 12. This has to be, or it could, it, it would like to be, it needs to be for TCU a wake-up call and to really put Houston into it. They shouldn't be 1-1. One one. They should be 0-2. They should have lost to UTSA. TCU should be 2-0. and No excuse to lose at home against Colorado. We hope that a road game against Houston corrects any of those uh, problems that they had against Colorado in Week 1. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast. For myself, Andrew Zimmel, and the rest of the Heartland College Sports crew, I want to thank you guys for joining us. Come back next week when we talk about a win against the Houston Houston Cougars 1-0 in conference play, hopefully next week. We'll talk to you later.